Hello, welcome to the Alternative Reviews for Skeptics podcast, where I will be dissecting and reviewing everything from the cradle to the grave, all with a sceptical slant. In this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the topic of music festivals. So what is good, bad, and what could possibly be changed about them? And I'm going to bear in mind one question, which is, are they worth attending? So I will start a bit about my own experience. I have only ever really been to one festival, and that is Download in Donington in the UK, and I first went to that in 2012. I have been to that every year since, apart from obviously when all the Covid shit went on, in which case it was not possible to go at all. The first year I went, in 2012, I spoke to a friend of mine and I had looked at the lineup and I said to her, I'd really like to go Friday night to see The Prodigy. And I was really, really like hyped up about it. And she seemed really keen to go as well. But she then said to me, well, hang on a second, I just want to check the lineup myself and see if there's anything else that I would rather see. So I was kind of a bit disheartened by that, but I said, oh yeah, okay, sure. And she came back to me about a week later and said to me, you know, I love the Prodigy and everything, they're really good, but I actually want to go see Metallica on Saturday night instead. Because let's face it, the Prodigy are going to be around forever and Metallica are getting on a bit, so we're not going to have as much opportunity to see them. And I think that uh, the whole situation with, unfortunately, the lead singer of the Prodigy kind of threw that theory out of the water. But unfortunately, we weren't really prepared for any extreme weather or anything like that when we got there. We had packed light. We had just taken a few things that we thought we might need. And we had taken, in her case, she'd taken brand new trainers. We had booked a hotel halfway between home and Donington. And the plan was that we were going to drive to the hotel on Friday night. We were then going to drive Saturday morning from the hotel to download. And then we were going to drive back really late on that Saturday. But when we got to the hotel Friday night, we put the news on and there was this news report about basically what a complete mud bath download festival was. And we just looked at each other and we were like, oh, fucking hell, we have packed t-shirts and you know, light trousers and stuff like that. We haven't actually got any wellies. We haven't got any kind of thick coat or anything that will protect us from the pissing rain that actually was happening. And of course, the absolute quicksand mud that was everywhere. So because we were underprepared when we left to go there Saturday morning, we were a little bit kind of nervous about what it might be like and she did because it was the only trainer she had put on her brand new bright red trainers and when we got there as expected it was a complete mud bath and we were there of all about 10 minutes we were getting stuck in the mud and my friend just started fucking screaming and she was like my fucking trainers my fucking trainers are ruined and it looked like she was bleeding you know there was just all this red everywhere that she walked and it was the ink running out of these trainers but we decided because of that we needed to really find somewhere that sold wellies so we managed in about 45 minutes to actually find a stall that sold um, wellies and we got a pair each and it was just absolutely fine but unfortunately the trainers went in the bin 
all day we spent time in between bands looking at stalls buying a few things going to the big merchandise stall they have you know all the t-shirts hanging on the walls and stuff like that and in that entire time we were there on Saturday I literally only ate one plain burger and at one point I said to my friend I really really need to go to the loo and she was like yeah yeah see in a minute then and she walked off Anyway, I went to the public loose and I opened the door on the portable toilet and in there was man who basically was mid-piss. And I remember just being absolutely like, oh my God. And I said to him, you do realise this door locks, don't you? And he just kind of looked over his shoulder at me, all really dazed. You could tell he was like either really drunk or on drugs or something. (laughs) and I shut the door again I thought no no no, I'm not having any sort of confrontation with this bloke and so I went to the next one and when I went in I just stepped in locked the door and I turned around and there in the actual toilet itself was the biggest fucking human turd I have ever seen in my life it was massive I swear to god it was the size of a newborn baby And I really don't know how a human could do that. It was absolutely horrible. And if I wasn't so bursting for the toilet, I wouldn't have then just basically taken a piss all over it. It was absolutely disgusting. So while we were actually watching Metallica, we heard a bit of commotion to our right and we looked over and there was this young fella and he had passed out, fallen over, I don't know, but he was laying on the floor. And we looked at each other and we were kind of debating whether it was a good idea to go over and make sure he was okay but we thought you know what we're just going to leave him where he is we'll leave him be because if we go over and ask him if he's okay we don't really know what mood he's going to be in so we then continued watching Metallica about 10 minutes later there was more commotion from our right we look over and there is this girl kicking the living shit out of this young guy on the floor Now, whether she knew him, whether she didn't, I have absolutely no idea. To this day, I don't know. But her two friends had to drag her away from doing this. And so we looked at each other again. Do we go over there? Do we actually make sure he's all right? Because he's just had the shit kicked out of him. And then we kind of said, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on him. That'll be fine. We won't go over there and disturb him. We don't know whether he's going to wake up and he's going to be violent. You just don't know. So we watched Metallica and unfortunately for him, I suppose, we got a little bit too into it, but <laughs> but that was what we were there for in our defence. Completely forgot about him. And then when we looked back in between songs that Metallica were playing, he'd gone. So presumably his friends had found him or he'd just got up wandered off. We don't know. But as we left that night, we were walking along and there to our left as we were actually going to the main gates was loads of portable toilets lined up and there was just this river running (laughs) from the portable toilets and it was dark so we didn't quite know where this river was coming from at the time and someone behind us said you know everybody just avoid the rivers and as we approached it reeked it was disgusting it absolutely stank of wee and we walked up and we were avoiding (laughs) rivers of just human piss it just reeked of ammonia it was like someone was someone with a big fat head was dyeing their hair over there or something like that and it was around midnight that we actually left so we got through those gates we had to walk all the way to the car which I believe was about a 20 minute walk we got in the car and I was I was so hungry I was so tired it had been a long day we drove back to the hotel 
hour and a half drive back to the hotel. And as I'm pulling up to the roundabout just beside the hotel, this rabbit ran out in front of the car. So I, in my kind of tired, befuddled kind of state, just swerved the car. This rabbit luckily died back the way it came. And I went round the roundabout, got into the car park of the hotel, and this police car pulls up. And uh, the policeman says, you all right? And I really don't know why I said this. Honestly, I really don't. But I replied, yeah, I'm not from round here. As if not being from that area would explain why I just swerved. And he kind of looked at me in a strange way and he said, uh, are you all right? You swerved back there. And I said, well, I said, yeah, I just swerved to avoid a rabbit, which was a much better response than my first one that I gave to him. So after that, in 2013, 14 and 15, we stayed in a hotel much closer. That was about 20 minutes from the actual site itself. And we were much better prepared. I mean, I cannot emphasise any more that you do need to be really prepared for everything. And you need thick clothing, you need Wellington boots, you need all that kind of thing. And also, if you're camping, you do need all of the stuff that would protect you from rain and wind and any kind of elements like that, because it gets so cold at night as well. I I usually take an all-season sleeping bag just because if it is boiling hot or it's freezing cold, it protects you much better. But the highlights from 2013, 14 and 15 for me were that I stayed at one point in the same hotel as Skindred. I was outside, I remember I was in my pyjamas having a cigarette and there to my left was this dude with dreadlocks and as we stood there my friend said to me, isn't that the lead singer from that band you like? And I said, which band? And she said, Skindred. And in a loud voice I said, oh god no, why would the lead singer of Skindred be staying in a fucking shithole? And I kind of felt really stupid when we went back up to the room And I looked out the window and it actually was him. Yeah, it was a little bit awkward after that. However, I did, and I'm sorry if you are a massive fan of Skindred, I found them rather unapproachable. Before then, I had been a big fan, big champion, but I kind of went off them just because the stage persona, the sort of, especially the lead singer, he's very full of energy and he seemed, you know, really, really nice guy and but I just did find them. I mean, he's like basically a mini version of, well, not even mini, he's a dreadlocked version of Axel Rose. Because at one point, just before they left, he did come around the corner of the hotel, each arm round a blonde, big blonde woman. Aerosmith at one point, when I saw them, they were actually recording their performance, which you, I believe you can get, you can still buy. They really hammed it up for the cameras. Steven Tyler looked exactly like Captain Jack Sparrow, which was a bit strange. It got really silly because they were really kind of doing all these, you know, dramatic guitar solos and all this stuff. And the uh, big screens kept freezing either side of the stage. And I thought, I bet they're gutted. I also saw Jared Leto. Now, that's a little bit of a dodgy subject for me because I kind of like 30 Seconds to Mars, but I find them a bit... A little bit plastic, I'm afraid to say I do. Not as bad as Nickelback, but they are kind of, yeah, they're getting towards that territory very slightly every now and again. And he did, while he was on stage, talk to shit to an absolutely overwhelmed fan. She was crying her eyes out because she just 
was on the same stage as Jared Leto. She was just overcome with emotion. And the whole audience booed him. And I have to say, it was much to my delight. I saw Slipknot twice and both times it absolutely pissed down and it made me think they were perhaps a cursed band but I did also get to see one of my favourite bands L7 twice and both times it didn't piss down so evidently they're they're not a cursed band and I absolutely love them they are really really good and I recommend thoroughly listening to any of their albums really they are absolutely amazing One year I did get to see Linkin Park, which I feel really, really honoured to have been able to see them, because sadly, the lead singer, Chester Bennington, he did pass away a few years ago. When I actually saw them, I had listened to a few of their albums, Hybrid Theory, obviously, being the one that I listened to the most. But when I got home, I did listen to everything they ever made, including some of Grey Days and Dead by Sunrise, and all those bands are absolutely fantastic. At one point during one of the festivals, the lead singer of Five Finger Death Punch threatened to bust the nose of anyone in security after they threw some kids off the stage because he invited all these kids up to sing with him and once the song was over, security just manhandled them off the stage and he was really, really intensely outraged by this. And of course, last but not least is... Uh, Marilyn Manson, a very dodgy subject perhaps at the moment to be talking about, but we will complete, you know, this isn't about that, this is about festival performances. Unfortunately for him, during this performance, he decided to sing Sweet Dreams halfway through his set. Muse were on the main stage. Once Marilyn Manson had finished the song, basically a huge group of the audience just walked away. And they went to see Muse and I actually saw him stand there and watch them go from the stage. It must be awful to see like a, possibly a third of your audience just fuck off once you've sung your big hit. But that's what happened. And after that, he had a absolutely massive tantrum. Mainly, he was knocking over amps and he was also calling the audience bitches, which at the time felt like, oh, you know, Uncle Marilyn calling us all bitches. But looking back now, no, you know, now what we know, kind of, it felt a little bit like disrespectful in a sense. I didn't go to the festival in 2016, however, and this was because I basically had nobody to go with. I did miss several bands which were actually really good that year. There was Juliet and the Licks, there was Corn. I was not entirely upset, but a bit disappointed not to go. But I did watch Juliet. I love Juliet and the Licks, by the way. And I watched their performance back on YouTube. It sounded as though they were having sound problems and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of, I suppose, in that sense, justified it by saying, oh, well, you know, obviously it wasn't massively good performance. But yeah, I was disappointed, I have to say. But in 2017, me and my friend went back. And we went back for every year after that till 2019, when obviously the year after, COVID kicked off. For 2017 to 19, we decided to camp. And the music highlights of the three years were seeing System of a Down. I remember I was up on the disabled platform watching with my friend who who was disabled, watching System of a Down. They started playing Chop Suey and I literally jumped up, legged it all the way from the platform, down the ramp, into the audience jumped around singing to Chop Suey and everyone was going mental. 
I then, once that finished, ran back up the ramp onto the platform and just sat down again. And I didn't even think my friend noticed I was gone, <laughs> which was, you know, she kind of turned to me and said, oh, are you okay? <laughs> like, yeah, fine. And I did uh, miss Aerosmith when they were playing again. We decided instead to get an early night, which for an Aerosmith fan is probably sacrilege, but we did decide, you know what, we're just going to miss them this time around and just go and have a kip. So we went to the tent and I was laying there and I could feel I was on an airbed, double airbed, my friend laying next to me in her sleeping bag and I could feel this airbed kind of trembling. And when I looked over at her, she was absolutely crying her eyes out because they were playing Don't Want to Miss a Thing. I believe I looked at her, said, what's wrong? She said, I love this song. And then I fell asleep (laughs) and I can't remember anything after that. So it could be she cried all night. I just don't know. I also saw Jonathan Davis singing his solo album. And it's an amazing album. A lot of what he does in Corn, there's a lot of all this kind of thing. But his solo album is absolutely amazing. It it really showcases what an absolutely amazing vocalist this guy is. So I would definitely, definitely take a look at that. And I also saw Guns N' Roses. They went on about eight-ish in the evening. They didn't have anyone on before them, so they took up two slots. And they played for about three hours. It was amazing. They actually went on stage on time, which is unbelievable, I know, but they did. Slash kept doing guitar solos. Axel Rose, he kept going off stage for the entire guitar solo. And when he was coming back on, he had a costume change. But his costume change wasn't full kind of t-shirt jean costume change. He just had tied a different shirt around his waist and he kept doing it over and over and over again. And I jokingly said to my friend, you know what, when they played November Rain, we can go. And I really was joking. I did just want to stay till the end. It's Guns N' Roses for fuck's sake. And then they played November Rain and she immediately turned to me and went, can we go now? And <laughs> and she she just wanted to leave. And I was, I was gutted. But I was like, yeah, all right then, you know, I was getting a bit tired. I think it was like, okay, whatever. So we walked away and as we went, Axl Rose started playing a cover of Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. And it was so fucking amazing. The atmosphere in that crowd, everybody was singing. And it was not that long after Chris Cornell had died. It was just such a good version, really was. And 2019, I got to see the Smashing Pumpkins. They were the last band I saw of 2019. Absolutely loved them. Was thrilled to see them. It was fucking brilliant. But of course, what was it like camping for those three years? Well, the first year, we camped in the disabled campsite and it was pretty fucking deserted, I have to say. There was loads of room between tents and we were spoiled. The weather was brilliant. And there was not very long queues for toilets and showers, which was so good. Really, really quick to do anything. However, from 2018 to 19, the campsite got progressively more cramped. They were just squeezing tents in anywhere. Also, the portable toilets that they had on site, they got moved around so much. 
you would go to bed with a portable loo near you. You would wake up and it would be right down the other end of the campsite. It was just so crazy. It was just like chase the portable toilets around the fucking campsite, you know. You just wake up and you never know where you're gonna be, where they're gonna be. You don't know. But a bit of advice I was given was uh, take a portable toilet with you, and what you do is you put a bin bag in it and you put cat litter in the bottom of the bin bag, and then you put another bin bag on top of that. And hey presto, you have yourself a toilet which will last for the whole time you're there. Because of the cat litter in the bottom of it, if there's any kind of leaking in the bag above it, it catches it. So it's absolutely fine. And that was great. Some people probably would not want that in their tent. But if you're okay with that, that's a really good idea. We did also make sure we had essentials for all weathers and not just clothes, but also camping gear. Duct tape and tarpaulins are your best fucking friend when you camp. They really are amazing to have when it pisses down because those tents are not waterproof. I don't give a shit what they say on the box you get them in or adverts for them. They are not entirely waterproof and they will leak. So be prepared if you go. And the first year we camped, we actually forgot pliers for the tent pegs especially when you're on the disabled campsite they do because it's on the racetrack at Donington around the edge of it they do like you to remove all the tent pegs and we were just like how the fuck are we gonna get these out the ground and luckily this guy in the next tent said oh how you can borrow mine and thank you so much otherwise we would have just I suppose been breaking well I said breaking our nails I don't think either of us actually had nails but we would have just been pulling those up with our fingers But I would also say, please choose wisely who you go with, because sometimes if people are a bit difficult at home, they can be more difficult to be in a confined space with and camping with. And you do need to just be aware that if you have a friend who is a little bit difficult, sometimes it can be a tenuous situation. You can get pissed off with each other. There will be arguments and stuff like that. So go with a friend maybe who's quite laid back and fun otherwise it can get a little bit tricky i mean i went with somebody who's a bit of a panicker so when the gazebo sunday night 2019 started to collapse in on itself she immediately panicked and i just got really 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 like wound up myself i had to take myself away from the situation she did suggest at one point that we hold the gazebo up all night I said to her, well, I can't do it. I said, I've got to drive tomorrow. And I think she just was totally disappointed that I didn't say, yeah, sure, I'll do it, don't worry. There was no way I was going to do that. So I took myself away, came back and said, you know what, we're taking the fucker down because I really, really want to see the Smashing Pumpkins. Literally, this was about an hour before they went on. And we just tore that gazebo down. We wrapped all of our belongings in the panels of the gazebo We even covered the tent with a panel of the gazebo and it was absolutely fine. Sometimes also when you get there, you want a locker to put your valuables in. Unfortunately, they do sell out, especially now. I think they kind of are overselling them and overpromising them maybe to people and they don't have enough. I think it was last time I went, we did have to ask the staff to put our valuables in their safe behind uh, their counter thing that they have there. And every time we needed something, we had to go and ask for it out of the safe. 
And also in the lockers, they do have USB ports where you can plug in and charge stuff. So we didn't have that either. Uh, I think eventually we did get a locker, but to start with, we were using our power banks that we had, which is okay, but it's not a permanent solution because they will run out eventually. And I vape. So, you know, those batteries, they need a lot of power. A power bank just doesn't have enough in it. When the campsite, unfortunately, when it got absolutely rammed, we were tripping over other people's guide wires all the time. And at one point, someone camped so close to our tent that we couldn't even leave our own tent. By the exit, we had to find kind of an alternative route to leave our tent because they were so fucking close. But luckily, they only stayed for one night of the festival, so they did leave pretty promptly the next day, which was absolutely great. And I would suggest bring plenty of suntan lotion if you burn really easily. I didn't one year and I looked like a fucking beetroot. It was just unreal and I just was so embarrassed by it. So you bring absolutely loads. I mean, I will say that year I did go home and it turned into an absolutely amazing tan. But I wouldn't suggest that you do that yourself. Just please just take loads of suntan lotion. So on to the good points about the festival, because we are going to compare and contrast the good and bad, because we want to answer the question, is it really worth going to a festival? So the good points are that I've seen loads of bands that I really, really like over the years. It's much cheaper to see bands this way by going to a festival than it is buying individual tickets and travelling all over the country, potentially to other countries, to see them. And I would suggest also camp on site it's a much better way to avoid tired car journeys to hotels at the end of every night as i found out as i much found out and a rabbit nearly found out the first year that we did that i mean also i did stay in the disabled campsite the amenities they're a lot cleaner they do service the loos and showers they more often I don't know what the main campsite is like but i can only guess i've heard stories of people throwing gas canisters from portable barbecues into fires i've heard stories about tents being set on fire people going to, into other people's tents in the night i just don't know honestly i if i could camp on the main site and also the food stalls they're open from quite early in the morning until quite late at night so you can always get access to food wherever you might be and whatever you might be doing however pissed you are whatever there are also plenty of stalls where you can buy clothes, you can buy hats, just loads of accessories, all sorts of stuff. Sometimes, as I found out, if there's a sandstorm, which there often is, because if the ground gets really, really dry and the wind picks up, it's great for people like me who can barter with the stall holders because it just covers everything with sand and you can just go in and say, oh, you know what, I like this hat, but it is absolutely covered in sand, so I'll give you maybe... 15 quid for this 25 quid hat they'll just say yeah fine whatever and i've done that i believe a few times now really there is also at download festival there's a small village which is on site i've never actually been to it i've been several years and i've never actually been to the village primarily because it's either really too muddy over there we don't you know we really can't be asked to go over there and traipse around in more fucking mud but it is Good, because if you camp five nights, you go from Wednesday night through to uh, Monday morning. There is Wednesday and Thursday night when there's no bands on. You can go over there and there are club tents. There's Circus of Horrors uh, sometimes there. Although between you and me, I really 
I don't rate the Circus of Horrors very highly. I really don't. I just think that they recycle their act every time they they appear anywhere. And it is a real shame. But, well, you know, I mean, you might love them and that's that's entirely up to you. But I, I did kind of think it was a little bit poor. They haven't changed since they were on Britain's Got Talent, in my opinion. Every year you can buy tickets for the festival at early bird prices, which is basically the last year's price. But that only runs for a certain amount of time and then they hike the price up a little bit. So you do have to kind of get in there fairly early, which I always do because I'm not paying any more than last year's price for that year that I want to go. It can also be a lot of fun going to a festival because you're in a crowd with a load of people who like the same music as you. They're jumping around the atmosphere when everyone is singing to the same song. A song that you love is absolutely amazing. It really is a great experience. It's worth going just for that. It really is. Also, parking on site, I found it to be fairly easy, really. It is sometimes a case of if you're in the main car park, you do have to walk quite away from your car to the arena and then back again. But if you park next to the disabled campsite like I did, it's not as far to your car because obviously they want to make the site accessible for disabled people. And I really, really must thank them for that. It is absolutely amazing. Their disabled access is really good. I know people have some issues with them, but they are actually really good. They will go out of their way to make sure that you are safe and to make sure you do get access to things you might need while you're there. And also, I didn't find it too difficult to move between the various stages that they had. uh, They have five mostly we were going between the main stage and the second stage and it really wasn't too difficult to move between the two I did find it okay to do that however this is where I now move over to the bad points about going to festivals I found when I went there can be a lot of waiting around in between bands that you like whether that be because you don't like the bands that are on in between those bands or whether it be because it just takes a long time for the one band to leave another band to come back on So there is a bit of waiting around, but the way I was doing that is they, in the last few years, have had an app that you can look at. You can see when bands are on and the times they're on and all sorts of stuff like that. And you can actually organise your time and say, right, well, in between these, we've got one band fairly early, one band later. Okay, in the middle, we're just going to have a look around the stalls or we're going to go back to the tent and chill out, whatever you want to do. You can kind of organise your time. But there is that waiting period. For anyone whose frustration levels aren't particularly high, then you can kind of get a little bit frustrated with the waiting. And I found not very many stalls at all sold essentials like wellies. They do have a little supermarket over in the village, which I have never visited. And they do sell essential stuff like toiletries, food, things like that. But I've never actually had to go and get anything because we do bring a lot of stuff with us. And they are quite expensive. I did one year get their app. What you can do is get the app on your phone. You can pre-order what you want. And then the day you turn up to the festival, you go collect it from the shop, which is a really good service. But I I was looking through all prices that they had and some of the stuff was absolutely extortionate i was just like oh my fucking god there's absolutely no way that i am paying two quid for something that i would normally pay 70p for that is just not gonna happen 
But, you know, back to the absolute essentials, which are maybe your clothing items, wellies, anything like that that you might need. There is very little. I do find that you can pick up coats and stuff like that. So they do have stalls that sell those. But I tend to find you do have to trawl the stalls around there quite a lot to be able to find absolute essentials. So it can be a bit tricky to do that. And of course, the big topic, the public toilets. They're absolutely fucking disgusting sometimes. And it is really, I suppose, not the fault of the festival organisers because there are stewards and, and people who go in and clean them. But I suppose they just can't keep up with it. There are so many shit-smeared portable toilets, it is absolutely fucking rank. And I remember going in one, and somebody had obviously used the neck of a plastic bottle to poke their shit down the toilet, and then left the bottle on the floor, complete with shit. And it was just the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. It really was. Also... Don't expect to find any loo roll. It isn't going to happen because people nick it and then they throw it when they get in the crowd. I would suggest bring your own hand sanitizer and possibly some wipes as well because they are an absolute lifesaver when you're there. And I did find one year I got trapped walking through a large crowd away from one of the stages and I could feel a pull on my bag as I was walking. And I looked over my shoulder and there was this girl behind me who looked rather guilty. So I kept walking and then I pulled this. I, I felt this pull on my bag again. So I turned around and this girl again looking really fucking guilty. And when we got out of the crowd, I took my bag off and I looked at it and she had been trying to unzip one of the compartments of my bag. And unfortunately for her, it was the uh, tampon compartment of my bag. So if she'd have opened that, all she'd have found was tampons. So tough shit, love. I do find also the security, it has been stepped up more since there have been terrorist attacks at gigs. But the focus for them, I suppose, ever since those attacks has become more on alcohol and people bringing alcohol into the main arena. You can drink alcohol in your tent, you can bring your own booze and drink it there, but you can't bring it into the main actual main site itself and they will either get you to drink it or pour it away when you go to the barriers to be searched. This is where I call someone out. In 2019 there was a member of security, she was very flirtatious with the other security guys when we approached. Her number was 11 by the way, just in case you are listening, fuck you love. Because she basically, she said to me, I need to search your bag. I went over and I was holding my bag out for her to search and she slapped me. And she didn't just slap me a little, just like a quick, can you keep your hand away and just kind of gently slap? It was a proper slap right around the arms. And I was fucking fuming. Me and my friend, we got into the main site and I looked back. As you know, I took a note of her number on the back of her bib thing that she was wearing and I just said to my friend I don't actually know whether to report this because that wasn't us all. We then went we had loads of fun we left and I think I kind of forgot about it until we got home but I was absolutely furious I was just like How, what gives her the fucking right to treat someone like that. So number 11 in 2019 fuck you bitch. <laughs> I absolutely hate people like that. Also, if you're staying on the campsite, it can get a bit cramped and it can feel a bit claustrophobic. There's a lot of people in close proximity to you. 
You also, when you go to leave the campsite to watch bands, you do have to leave your stuff in the tent unattended. So I would suggest any valuables, put them in the locker if you have one. Generally, what we were doing is if we were going into the main site, buying anything like T-shirts, any other merchandise, we would take that straight back and put it in the car, lock it up. Our actual tent, when, when we left that, it was left to the mercy of anyone else. It is kind of a case of there is a lot of trust and a lot of faith put in other people to not just ransack your tent while you're gone. So if you are somebody who is a little bit of a nervous disposition, it can be really a scary thought that someone might go in there and fuck with your things. And also the gazebo incident that I had previously mentioned, that can mean that camping is a nightmare in bad weather. So I would suggest be quite minimalist. Don't take too much stuff that is just going to blow away when the wind picks up or collapse under the weight of water. And also I found with the screens, the main stage, it had a large screen either side. So people who were standing back from the stage could see the performers. And they also had a uh, another screen, which I believe was on the back of the soundboard. And that was really good for people who were stood right back at the back of the crowd. But they have got rid of that, sadly. That was a bit kind of like, right, well, we have to get nearer the front. <laughs> After that, we just really wanted to see those main screens. The ground, as I've previously said, it can get like quicksand. They do cover it in hay. They do attempt to kind of make it less muddy, but it is very much like walking in quicksand. There are limited food choices when you actually get there, although there are stalls that stay open from early till late. The types of food is quite limited to basically your normal takeaway foods. I find it's overpriced. I think it's because there's a captive audience and they can charge what they want. My friend one year did go and get a pizza. She was very excited. She was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to get a plain cheese and tomato pizza. She went to a stall and I think she paid about seven quid for this pizza. Came back to where I was sat, opened the box up and it was a really cheap supermarket zone. Cardboard pizza. And she was really furious, but she ate it anyway. The healthier options that you can get, they can be a, bit, a little bit shoddy sometimes. My friend did have a vegan wrap and it just fell apart in her hands. And it was like eating paper, according to her as well. But I would say, first and foremost, is please, if you're going to go, just choose wisely who you go with. If you go with somebody who is going to be difficult, who is normally difficult outside of a situation like that, probably going to be difficult and it's going to be more amplified while you're there you know so just choose choose them wisely but skeptically reviewing attending festivals i personally think they do oversell tickets they have recycled bands as they know that some bands are bigger money earners than others slipknot being a good example of that uh, recently they made the festival more family friendly but I found that a man shouting motherfucker from the stage several times is hardly family friendly. I think they book what they want band wise potentially over what the public wants. They just book the ones that they know they have a good track record of bringing in money. Some of the bands you know may be a little bit more niche and unfortunately they do reject I think bands maybe on that basis. They do seem sometimes a little bit underprepared for the absolutely huge amounts of people they do get uh, at the festival, especially ones that want to camp, and they do seem to oversell that part of it as well. 
you do see very few stewards in the public areas sometimes. I mean, they do have them around, and we were in the disabled campsite, so we there are absolutely loads of them. But it kind of felt like there sometimes there were there weren't enough stewards just mingling around, kind of making sure everything was okay. And more recently, they seem to be inventing new ways of getting more revenue. This is a very dodgy topic for a lot of people at the moment. Facebook went absolutely mental over this particular issue, and that was the hot ticket, which is a ticket that you could buy and you get all sorts of perks with it. One of them is their viewing platform that they have put up behind the second barrier. Now, I remember they used to have a Vodafone viewing platform that was obviously sponsored by Vodafone. You would show the person who was on security your SIM card. And if you were a Vodafone customer, you could get up there, stand up there for free. But now they are charging for people to do this. Like I say, you know, people on Facebook, they went mad about it and they seemed to be under the impression it was like a golden circle, which is right in front of the stage. But it is actually... I think more or less where that Vodafone platform used to be, so it is set back from the stage. They do have a little bit more limited stuff in the main arena than they used to. There was a Jaeger ice bar when I first went, and they had sculpture in there made of ice, and you could have shots of Jaeger and all this kind of thing. That was just really, I hate to use this word because it's going to be a pun, but it was cool. You know, they did have various things, and it, But perhaps it was because it was my first festivals and I just found it really exciting. I don't know. Maybe I don't notice stuff as much now. I I don't know. Bit of food for thought there, really. To conclude, I would say that they are worth going to. I would suggest you plan really carefully how you're going to get there, who you're going to go with, as I've said, your camping gear if you're camping, your actual clothing if you're just either going there for the day or you're camping on site just be really prepared for all kinds of eventualities it is a really fun experience even if you only go once and you decide not to go back because you just think it's too expensive or you don't really like it it is fun to be there in a crowd who are shouting lyrics to your favorite song i only go with the basic ticket i i that's what i buy so presumably the more expensive ones you get more perks you get more luxury you get more comfort and that just makes the experience way better so maybe if you are going to go you could try going that way however i am a bit kind of as tight as a crab's ass for money so i would never really pay a premium even if it gave me more comfort because i just like to go and listen to music that's why i'm there for and i don't really give a shit about that you know Obviously, the main thing, really, is they have managed to succeed and stay successful. These festivals that have been going for years, where other festivals have failed, and sometimes they haven't even taken off. They haven't even put the festival on once before it just completely flops. Altfest is one that springs to mind. Uh, That's the most memorable. I was meant to go to that in 2014, so that would have been my second festival. But it all fell through about a week before because of bad planning and bad accounting. It was absolutely fucking shit to get your money back as well. We ended up having to go to the bank and doing chargebacks because that was the only way to get any money. Also, Marilyn Manson was meant to be appearing as a headliner there. So he accepted a second stage slot at Download Festival. So maybe we have found the cause 
the root cause of his tantrum that year, perhaps. I don't know. Basically, to conclude, I would say that festivals are really worth going to. Have a look at the lineup of the festival, decide what you want to see, plan it, and just go. Just have fun, because it's what it's there for. If you don't like camping, you might want to stay at a hotel, but I would say do it. If you're thinking about it, just do it, just go. Because even if you only go once and you fucking ate it, just don't go back. It's, it is as simple as that, isn't it, really? Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and share or go to Patreon where I can be found at Alternative Reviews for Skeptics. In next week's episode, I will be talking about... Ghosts and the Paranormal. So come back next time for another alternative review with a sceptical twist.